This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello once again to all you good listeners out there in American Family Radio land. I'm your host, John Rosemond, and the show is called Because I Said So. Why? Because I said so. I am a family psychologist who does not believe in psychology. I think it's a postmodern religion. And I am a nationally syndicated newspaper columnist. You may be familiar with my column. It appears in about 250 or so newspapers around the country, and I've written, uh, depending on how you count them, about 20 books on children and child-rearing issues and family issues, and I uh, go around the country nine, ten months a year, and I uh, spread my biblically-based, politically incorrect parenting philosophy, which is nothing new. I learned it from my mother, who learned it from her mother, who learned it from her mother, who learned it from her mother. And, you know, the fathers were in there somewhere, too. But um, this philosophy was handed down from parents to children for generations immemorial until we began listening. We made the huge mistake in America of beginning to listen when it came to the raising of children to People like me, parenting experts, mostly representing various fields in mental health. And isn't that ironic? Ever since we began listening to mental health professionals tell us how to raise kids, the mental health of children has been in free fall. We now have such bizarre things as children taking sharp objects and cutting themselves with these sharp objects to express their angst and uh, their dissatisfaction with their status in the world. The world just hasn't fully recognized their wonderfulness or something along those lines. Uh, It's just absurd to me. The general level of drama and soap opera that today's young people are capable of, can you say microaggressions. I mean, what in the world is going on when adults who run universities, of course, these adults are, take it from me, folks, been there, done that, are ex-leftist, socialist, dope-smoking hippies from the 1960s who never fully grew up themselves, but these supposed adults are actually kowtowing to students who complain that their professors have used certain words in lectures. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond the, uh, the thinking. No one 50 years ago would ever have been able to anticipate this. And if you had said to my parents, grandparents, you know, in the, uh, in the early years of the next millennium, College students, young adults, will be complaining about words they hear. (laughs) Are are 
parents would have said, uh, no, that's uh, that's uh, something in a uh, uh, Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale or something. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, anyway, along these lines, I um, I was recently in Los Angeles speaking at a conference, and I enjoyed the privilege during the conference of seeing and hearing radio talk show host Dennis Prager, who happens to be a friend of mine, speak on the topic of happiness. And by the way, while I was out there in L.A., I recorded two six, seven-minute videos for Prager, P-R-A-G-E-R, University, and you'll be able to find those videos on uh, the Prager University website shortly, probably in a month or so. So if you're interested in, in seeing what I really look like, you can go to uh, Prager University's website. I don't, I don't know the actual URL. Just Google it. And I guess type in John Roseman and those videos will come up when they're ready. But anyway, um, Dennis was talking to this uh, audience on the topic of happiness. And he only spoke for 20 minutes, but he said more in 20 minutes than most professional public speakers are able to say in uh, two hours. He was talking to an audience of adults about essentially how to be a happy person and have a happy marriage. And uh, Dennis, by the way, you know, extremely good friend of mine, funny, personable, and extremely intelligent. I will tell you, I think he's probably the best talk show host in America and certainly the most underrated. But uh, he, he, he is uh, an Orthodox Jew, a practicing Jew, and he is an extremely wise man, extremely wise man. Um, he's a little younger than I am. I don't know exactly how old he is. His message, in a nutshell, to this audience was, and I've heard him sort of touch on this theme before, but never have I heard him elaborated on it so well. His message was that no one makes you happy that you make yourself happy, and if you don't accept full responsibility for that state of being, you are going to be miserable. That is the alternative. You are either happy or you are constantly battling misery. And I, you know, I came to this understanding at a very personal level a number of years ago when I was, I had allowed myself to uh, slip into the doldrums over something. I don't know, it was a career issue. And I thought I would never amount to anything in my career and was, uh, you know, trying to think of something else I could do in life, sell insurance, uh, sell shoes, something else. And it just occurred to me that there are people in the world who live in truly miserable circumstances, poverty, uh, you know, they don't have good medical care. They live in a culture that is ruled by a handful of uh, tyrants and so on and so forth, who are nonetheless happy people. And so I began to ask myself, what right do I have to be unhappy? In that context, it, you know, you need to, ask, if you're not a happy person, you need to ask yourself this question. It's a very important question. What right do you have to be unhappy about your life circumstances? So 
Even though he was talking to adults, nearly everything Dennis said was uh, relevant to proper parenting. For example, as I've said for years, the attempt by parents to make a child happy robs the child, ultimately, of the fundamental right to learn to pursue happiness on his or her own, which Thomas Jefferson pointed out in the Declaration of Independence was a right, the right to pursue happiness. So I'll say it again, the more a parent tries to ensure a child's happiness, the more the parent unwittingly and with the best of intentions robs the child of the right, the personal right to discover through the process of trial and error, which is the only way this is discovered, the only way anything of value in life is discovered, in fact, how to pursue that quality of life, happiness, on his or her own. Once upon a time, that was simply called standing on one's own two feet. That didn't just mean, uh, you know, being able to support yourself, uh, you pay your bills, um, et cetera, et cetera. It also meant uh, that you figured out for yourself how to be a happy person. Uh, And by the way, um, being a happy person uh, helps other people be happy as well. You can spread joy just like you can spread misery. And, And folks need, I point out, to an audience that is primarily Christian, that we have every reason, every single one of us in this audience, to be nothing but joyous about life and its ultimate conclusion whenever whenever that uh, takes place. And we have a obligation and responsibility to pass that joy along to as many people as we can pass it along to in the course of our lifetimes. Almost invariably, people who don't understand that happiness is a decision, it is the act of taking full responsibility for one's own emotional condition, end up characterizing themselves as victims of social, cultural, financial, familial, and biological forces beyond their control. They tend to view life as a drama, a soap opera in which they are casualties or always on the edge of casualty. In that regard, it is relevant to note that many of today's youth, to repeat what I said earlier, seem to embrace that worldview. And I mean embrace it, you know, as, as if it's, you know, a prize, a desirable thing. It is also relevant to note that most parents, when I ask them what their parenting goals are, name their children's happiness as either one goal number one or goal number two. Here's what they say. I say, what are your parenting goals? And they say, well, I want my child to be happy and successful. Uh, You know, my parents would never have said that. They would have simply said, uh, we're trying to help John learn to stand on his own two feet and be a responsible citizen, uh, be a good neighbor. Good intentions You know, what today's parents tell me proves good intentions do not proper parenting make. Folks, um, 
Coming up on a hard break, if you want to find out more about me, you can go to my website, johnroseman.com. Go to my bookstore. You can see my books and stuff, CDs and all that kind of stuff. And once again, I'm John Roseman. This show is called Because I Said So, Because I Said So. And I will be back on American Family Radio in a few. Stay with us. So welcome back to the show. Again, I'm John Roseman. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, family psychologist, outlier in my field, don't believe in psychology. I think psychology's caused more problems for American families, American parents, American children, American schools, American communities, and America than psychologists even know how to solve. I don't think most psychologists know what they're doing they're just going through the motions and uh, repeating sound bites they were taught in graduate school. Been there, done that. Um, I'm a syndicated newspaper columnist. I've been told I have the longest running syndicated column in America written by one author continuously. Been writing this column since 1976. It went syndicated in 1978, and it is currently in... Uh, you know, around 250 newspapers. I, I don't keep track of the numbers. That number is not really relevant to me. I've written a number of books on uh, children, childering issues, parenting, family issues, and uh, go around the country and talk primarily in churches and Christian schools. But I also talk in secular environments uh, every once in a while uh, because this is a ministry, and it's not just a ministry to Christians. It's a ministry to American parents. And the purpose of my ministry is to help parents understand that in the 1960s, we took the path never traveled, the road never traveled in parenting by any culture at any time. And we did this at the behest of experts in the mental health professions, and we have paid a terrible price for this ever since. And I am a true conservative, true, true in the truest sense of the term, and that I am trying to restore uh, restore a traditional parenting ethic to this country, one parent, one family at a time. I've been talking about uh, Dennis Prager, my friend, fellow radio talk show host, and I uh, heard him speaking in California a few weeks back at a convention that he and I were both speaking at. And Dennis he had some interesting things to say about feelings, feelings, which have been a mainstay, if not the mainstay of cultural conversations since psychology became our dominant religion in the 1960s. And, and believe me, folks, it is a religion. It is a worldview. It is a philosophy. It is a set of theories concerning the nature of human beings. Uh, I'm talking about psychology that is completely opposed completely 180 degrees opposed to a biblical understanding of human beings, our origins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I keep saying to Christians, you know, all over America, look, you have, you have allowed yourself to be seduced 
by psychology, which is a manifestation of the serpent. And I don't say that to sound like some religious hysteric, but I know that to some people that will. But uh, the serpent, folks, uh, you know, he didn't just appear once. He has been operating in culture ever since the beginning. And psychology is a contemporary manifestation of the serpent. It is the latest manifestation. So anyway, uh, Prager had the strength of conviction to say that when all is said and done, it doesn't matter how you feel. Isn't that shocking? All that matters is how you treat other people. That's a bingo and dovetails with what I tell parents as often as the opportunity presents itself, which is proper parenting, when all is said and done, is very simply an act of love for your neighbor. It's the act of training a child such that the child will treat other people properly and contribute toward making America a better place. Fooey on parenting goals like helping your child accumulate academic trophies. Uh, Fooey on parenting goals like helping your child uh, be an outstanding straight-A student. Fooey on helping your child get into the right college going to medical school, becoming a mover and shaker within the beltway and other equally materialistic parenting purposes. In the final analysis, the only thing that matters is that a child grows up to be a good citizen, which is comprised of one-third self-responsibility, one-third compassion, and one-third the willingness to serve others. That is all that matters, not your child's grades, not your child's academic or athletic achievements, not what college he gets into, not what profession he takes up, but simply his level of self-responsibility, his level of compassion, and his willingness to serve others unselfishly. There was a song in the, I don't know, 1960s, early 70s. It was called Feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Uh, that's the way it sort of went. I mean, you know, my voice has kind of deteriorated over the years. But, um, you know, and that's what today's parenting seems to be all about. It's all about, and, and that's what mental health professionals began to tell parents in the 1960s, to wit, that the be-all, end-all of good parenting was the ability to properly interpret and properly respond to a child's feelings. And that, folks, is why today's kids have so little emotional control. And that is precisely why the diagnosis of childhood bipolar disorder has become such a money machine for mental health professionals. And that is exactly why today's young people have such an inclination toward turning every little bump in life's road into a major soap opera. The fact of the matter is that 90% of a child's emotional output is irrelevant to anything. In short, only 10%, and that may be a liberal estimate, of a child's feelings truly matter and should be paid attention to. Children are soap opera factories. Their feelings are undisciplined, just like their behavior. But mental health professionals said, oh, no, 
Children's feelings are an accurate barometer of the quality of their lives, and parents must strive to understand them. And to do that, they have to talk to their children about their feelings and help their children come to grips or something like that with their feelings. And so, for today's young people who generally have no backbone, life is a drama. It's all about them and their supposedly holy feelings. Well, you know, here's the fact, folks. You have to help a child control feelings just like you have to help them control their behavior and their thought processes. In the beginning, all of that feelings, behavior, thought, it's all random. That's why parents have to take control and guide and teach and mold and shape Not just behavior, that's what we now think because of psychology's emphasis on behavior modification and classroom behavior management and things like that. We think it's all about behavior. No, it's not. There are three aspects to the discipline of a child. You discipline thoughts, you discipline feelings, and you discipline behavior. If you only do one of those You're only dealing with one-third of the child, and you end up with a child who is, as an adult, incomplete when it comes to the ability to exercise self-control. Parents have to take control, guide, teach, mold, shape, and generally help the child learn how to do all of that for himself concerning his behavior, thinking, and feelings. And we haven't been doing that for 50 years for two generations, and we're paying a terrible price. It is time for us collectively to snap out of this psychological parenting labyrinth that we have been wandering in for the last 50 years. It is time for us to get back to the main highway that was adequately built by previous generations of People who intuitively, without experts, understood what they were doing. And, you know, they had plenty of biblical guidance along the way because the world's most perfect parenting plan is found in Scripture. Check it out, Genesis 2.24, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, Proverbs 22.15, Proverbs 22.6, and Ephesians 6.4. That's the top five. You understand those five scripture, and you will understand how God wants you to raise his children. So I was saying earlier that our goal is to raise a child who grows up to be a good citizen, self-responsible, compassionate, and willing to serve. The formula for raising said child is rather simple. First, you give to the child conservatively. Gratefulness and unselfishness are inversely proportional to material acquisition. Give to your children conservatively. Say no a lot. I call it vitamin N. Second, assign the child household responsibilities, chores by age three, constantly expanding as his abilities improve, insist that they be done properly, and do not pay for said contributions. It's called being a responsible family member as opposed to being an entitled family member. And 
Love the child unconditionally and model love for others. The former without the latter turns the child into an idol. In other words, if you only love unconditionally, you turn your child into an idol. You must model unconditional love for others as well, the Christian ideal. And last but not least, discipline a child unequivocally so that he learns the value of self-discipline and can fully appreciate the inestimable value of personal liberty as a consequence. King Solomon wrote some 3,000 years ago, train them up in the way they should go. He also asserted, there is nothing new under the sun. Yep, I'm John Roseman. I've been your host for the last half hour on American Family Radio. You can find me here, 5 o'clock Central Time, every Saturday. Thanks for joining us, and God bless all of you and your families, wherever they are.